We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Mads, and I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly, as always, is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And this is our final pre-training camp show. We've made it through the slog of the summer. And the 49ers start training camp next week. So we are going to do a training camp preview. We've got three questions that we're looking to answer on offense, three questions that we'll be looking to answer on defense during camp. And we'll kind of kick those things around our expectations and what we're looking forward to going into the, uh, going into those couple weeks before the first preseason game. And we're getting football season back underway in full. We're excited. Fun episode. Enjoy. Hey, this is George Kittle and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. All right, Chris, I have a new beating the heat tactic. You've probably noticed. I'm recording, recording in a cooler downstairs. spot in your house. Yes, correct. Uh, the spot of my, I'm sitting at my dining room table and the spot of my table that I'm sitting at, the air conditioning vent blows directly at it. Yeah. And then I've got a fan here to my right. And it's, uh, it's been a game changer for me. Yeah. Still, still envious of your, of your whole home ownership air conditioning situation. Um, I'm currently gone sleeveless yeah, just you because, have. you know, it's, it's listed. Uh, I'm being told by my iPhone that it's 74 degrees in Santa Clara, but in my room, it feels about 20 degrees warmer. Um, but yeah. we're going to get through this because as you, you mentioned in the intro, this is, this is really the, the last pod we're going to do before camp starts, or at least before players report. When we're um, done, I need your lifting routine, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah. Thank you. It's, uh, it's not existent at the moment. <laughs> that's natural yeah yeah this is this is uh this is what drinking beer and playing golf looks like (laughs) so you're welcome um no but i i'm looking forward to it like training camp is usually my favorite time of the year because it's when we get to be the most close to actual football like i know it's just practice but like yeah it's the only time of the season reporters get to watch the entirety of practice um, so I think it's, it's a really good opportunity to learn a lot about the team where, where current players stand, what strength and weaknesses the team might have. So, uh, I'm looking to get into that, but, um, we have, we have some structure to, uh, to discuss. Boy, now do that, we now that Fred Warner signed. Boy, do we, yeah. we didn't do a podcast yesterday because we were like, we can't do a Fred Warner <laughs> contract discussion without the structure. So the structure dropped. Fred Warner, of course, signs a five-year deal, $95 million, $40.5 million guaranteed. And Chris, I will bequeath the honors unto you of what the structure of this contract was. Yeah, is. so it, it's similar to the Trent Williams deal in that it's, in essence, a pair of three-year contracts that sort of look like one collective six-year deal. It's So it's a five-year deal, 
but the five years are tacked on to his existing contract. So Fred Warner got a big payday Mm -hmm. in terms of like getting actual cash direct deposited into his bank account. Like he's, he's much more wealthy than he was beforehand, but his salary cap number for 2021 remains unchanged. So it's 3.6 million. And this is all according to over the cap. Um, And then the next two years, it bumps up to 8.16 uh, in 2022, and then all the way up to 18.5 in 2023. And then after that, you have one more year, which pays him uh, in cap dollars, 20.9 million, and then two voidable years, 2025 and 2026, which um, seem like they're just ripe to get either restructured or, you know, renegotiated or whatever, when that time comes, I think, you know, after the 2023 season, it sounds like, and, and by the way, the 49ers are operating, um, they're expecting a massive salary cap jump, um, you know, after it went down last year because of the pandemic and, and this year because of the pandemic, um, the new TV contracts are going to be in place by then. So it's similar to Trent Williams contract in that that second three years on the deal um, should offer the 49ers some significant flexibility. There's no guarantees uh, from 2023 onward, which sort of ensures a lot of that flexibility. And, you know, he got a $25 million prorated bonus, um, $3.6 million in, in a, a another buyout bonus, which is just sort of, uh, you know, I, I it's probably a little more complicated than, than we're diving into on this podcast. But I, I think ultimately the takeaways from the structure are that it's more or less two, three-year deals similar to Trent Williams' contract. And it does offer the 49ers some flexibility later on. Um, and in terms of cap dollars, it's really backloaded. So the, the biggest yeah. cap hit as of now is 2025 when it's 26.85 million. Jesus. And that's the first voidable year on that contract. I am willing to bet that he's not going to play on a 26, $27 million cap hit that season. I think it's just sort of there um, because that's where that other bonus money went. To. Right. Um, so anyway, the point being Fred Warner is the highest paid linebacker in the league. Darius Leonard is probably going to get a very similar contract with the Colts sometime very soon. Um, none of this is really all that surprising. I kind of thought he would get the same contract George Kittle got last year with what, $17 million a year, but Fred Warner, Mm -hmm. um, gets a little bit more. And maybe that's because Warner has been extremely durable, having not missed a game in his three seasons. Um, and we mentioned it on the pod with Mayoko, like, we expected this deal to get done before training camp, but I think it, it got done probably a week earlier than, than just yeah. about all of us expected because the first training camp practice is still probably a week away. They're going to report next next Tuesday. We're recording this Thursday afternoon. Um, and then, you know, there's usually a day or two or three between report day and the first practice. We're still waiting to hear from that schedule to, to get that schedule from the 49ers. So um in all, I would say it's a good contract for Fred Warner. It's a good contract for the 49ers in the terms of it offering flexibility. And now there's no drama when it comes to Fred Warner's financial situation and him holding yeah. out or anything like that. That's all been avoided. So it's a good precedent to set. I think the big thing with when it comes to big contracts is you want to set an example uh, for other players to follow, right? Like if mm-hmm. you want to pay the right guys and Fred Warner is absolutely the right guy. I think DeForest Buckner would have been the right guy to give the same contract to. Um, but, you know, you do wonder if like maybe the 49ers approach this a little bit differently than that situation because they don't, they don't love how the Buckner thing has gone so far. Maybe that's just conjecture on my part, but in all, it's a very positive development for Warner and the 49ers. And now they can move forward and, and not have to worry about uh, paying him. And now next up is, uh, is Nick Bosa, who's, who's eligible for a second contract after this upcoming season. So he's going to be the guy to, to keep an eye on when it comes to the big financial, um, the big financial situation going forward. And this is one of the advantages too, of having a quarterback on a rookie deal. Absolutely. If, if Jimmy Garoppolo is balling out and they had to extend him in the next year or two, uh, that becomes a much larger problem than having Trey Lance on a rookie deal for the next, you know, four seasons yeah. and at least three seasons of that, of that rookie deal. So, um, yeah, I don't have a ton to add. You did a nice job breaking that down. I, I do think though, there's an element of you know, obviously wanting to get it done before camp, but not wanting to, I'm not, 
I don't know if it's an optics thing, but after the trading to Forrest Buckner and then just kind of how that whole thing has gone down, I don't think you wanted to wait super long to try and get the Warner deal done. Even if he holds out a day of camp, like that's going to be the story. Right. If Fred Warner's not on the field, it's like, why aren't they getting this done? Why are they not? They didn't pay to Forrest Buckner. Now they're exactly. not getting it done with Warner. What's going on? They so I think just I think just avoiding that whole that whole storyline is is a good move by then because it it certainly would have been. I mean, we're going to talk about it. The Trey Lance Jimmy Garoppolo thing is going to be storylines one through five going in. Yeah, but. Warner jumps to the top of the list if he's not suiting up on on day one. So and he spoke to he'll the media. do that now. Yeah, he spoke to the media on Zoom today, and and I think this is probably the final point we should make on here. But like, he basically said, you know, he expects this training camp to be really tough, and he wants his teammates to be willing to go through hell um, to get the team ready to where it needs to be in order to contend. Mm-hmm. And that wouldn't have happened like Fred Warner as a team captain and, and leader of the defense, essentially. It would have been really tough to like get the team prepared if he's not there because of a contract stalemate. Right. So mm-hmm. they avoid all that. And it speaks to just sort of the healthy dynamic. I think the 49ers tend to have just when it comes to like player front office dynamics. I think the 49ers are in a pretty healthy, healthy place when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. So it's good. You you lock up You want you know, arguably one of your three or four most important players um, and the guys basically an extension of the coaching staff on the field. And that's the type of guy that, that you want to pick. All right. So let's jump into what we're going to talk about. We talked a little bit about training camp. We're going to go three burning questions. On, we need a sounder flame emojis. Uh, yeah. Big time. We're going to go three burning questions on each side of the ball. Yeah. And let's start on offense. It's the one I just brought up. It's Trey Lance in himself is is going to be something to something to follow but the question is will Trey Lance start any games and then a branch of that is when yeah so you I, I, I want to pose it this way to you because the way it's posed now is kind of just like a yes or no but you have mentioned on this podcast that you think there's a chance that Lance starts week one like he just by the end of camp it's clear that he has enough of the playbook down and is the more talented player and is going to give the Niners the best chance to win games yeah do you still think that's the case I well I think it's a possibility right like I, I I'm approaching the start of training camp uh, with the with the idea that Jimmy Garoppolo is the favorite to to start but I think there's a a distinct possibility that Trey Lance ends up starting week one Um, in part because I think Kyle Shanahan has a completely reinvented version of his offense that he wants to unleash on the rest of the league. And, you know, similar to what Robert Griffin, the third did in 2012, which we've talked about a lot. um, I just think there's, there's a training wheels type offense that you can operate with Trey Lance um, given how good Kyle Shanahan is at scheming and play calling, given the amount of talent the 49ers have on offense, assuming everybody's healthy, um, given how well the 49ers can run the ball um, and how you can incorporate Trey Lance into the running game. I just think there's a possibility that Kyle Shanahan says, look, I trust Trey enough to pass it 15 times a game. We're going to run 35 times a game. Mm-hmm. And we're going to we're just going to bludgeon teams with the running game and they're not going to be prepared for the looks that we have because we haven't run this offense with this personnel before. I think that's a mm-hmm. possibility starting week one. I don't think it's likely, you know, like as of right now, I don't think it's likely I've sort of cooled on the idea. I know I said, you know, during the offseason that I think that it's more likely that Trey Lance starts because you just need to get him reps after missing mm-hmm. all of that time. Like it, like you mentioned with Mayoko uh, in the pot earlier this week, like he needs, he needs reps and the mm-hmm. only way you develop you, you're not going to develop him on the bench at all. Right. That being said, I don't think they're going to prioritize Trey Lance's development and getting those reps over winning games. Like if, if it's very mm-hmm. clear during training camp that Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy and gives the 49ers the best chance to win games, I think Kyle Shanahan rolls with Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't think it's far-fetched to say Kyle Shanahan has 
plays burning a hole in his pocket that he wants to that he wants to use on on the rest of the league and sort of take everybody by surprise um so you know i i think like i said jimmy jimmy's a favorite for now um but i think you know it wouldn't surprise me if trey lance does unseat him and i, and I think you know i'll go back again to like week six that bye week i think that's sort of the over under right like i think that's a very clear demarcation point and you're going to have a very good idea of what the 49ers are by the bye week, like in Jimmy Garoppolo in particular, you're going to have a home game yeah. against the Packers. You're going to have a home game against Seattle. though That's week three and four, a road game at Arizona who always play the 49ers tough. Then the bye week, week six. So you're going to have a five game sample to decide, okay, is this working with Jimmy Garoppolo to the point where we think we can get to the Super Bowl with him? Or mm-hmm. do we need to make the change? And does the bye week allow them to make that change because they'll have a little bit more practice time? I'm fascinated too to see what an offense, what the offense looks like with Trey Lance in it. Mm-hmm. Because I'm guessing to the to the average viewer, even to somebody who's not in meetings and in film with, with the team, it's probably going to look largely the same. It's just that they now have another player who can run right it's a lot um, 11 football right and maybe maybe you see more downfield stuff uh but again that that that's not necessarily shanahan's mo and, and never has been but yeah i the more mayoko and if you haven't listened to that podcast go go back and listen to it it's really good stuff uh from from matt but the more he talked about the idea of using him in a, in a, you know, Part-time, limited like role, Colin Kaepernick type role. Yeah. Yeah. You no know, couple snaps here, a snap or two there. Yeah. The more, because at first, the first <laughs> notion I heard of that was someone saying that, Oh, he'll be like Taysom Hill. It's like, that's probably not great. <laughs> if you're <laughs> using the third pick on it guys, but yeah. I, I get the sentiment of, He's going to come in. He'll be a threat to throw it, but, you know, second and two, you know, you put him in because he can run it or throw it or kind of do whatever. Um, So I could, I definitely, I was averse to that idea at first, but the way Mayoko laid it out is like, Hey, this might be the only way you can get this guy reps without, um, without completely if Jimmy Garoppolo gives you the best chance to win, you think this is a way to get Lance reps without um, putting yourself in a worse position offensively by starting him. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with Mayoko with Mayoko's point in the sense that like Trey Lance could be a viable weapon for the offense. Yeah. Even if he's not starting. Yeah. You know, like second and goal from the three, you know, you bring in yeah. you bring in Trey Lance, and now okay, now the defense has to has to account for his legs. Mm-hmm. Trey Lance, you know, if you watched him play in college, like he's a real battering ram when he's running the ball, albeit against you know lesser competition. Um, that may not be something they love, honestly. No, but <laughs> but you know, like and uh, the ability to break tackles that that just might be in his DNA as a player. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. um. I'm I'm interested to see what that would look like if it is a part-time role. I mean, I'm interested to, just to see the whole thing unfold in general. And I hope that everybody's healthy and it's not, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious to see if Trey Lance can just overtake Jimmy Garoppolo just based on merit alone. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see how Jimmy Garoppolo responds because I, the part of me does believe that Jimmy Garoppolo has another level to his game that he could get to. Yeah, and that sure. his injury issues have prevented him from reaching that level. I'm curious about that because, you know, the, like there, we go, we can go back to Matt Ryan between 2015 and 2016, right? Like there's, mm-hmm. you know, Matt Ryan's a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo, at least peak Matt Ryan is, but he took, he took a significant leap once he got more comfortable in the offense yeah. and Jimmy Garoppolo has been around for a while, but the number of games he's played is still pretty limited. So you do wonder, okay, if Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, if he plays an entire season and he's played, you know, in 2017, his best football came in November and December in 2019, his best football came in November and December years. He was hurt. He wasn't able to play in the last two months of the season, really. And so you do wonder like, 
another year of Jimmy Garoppolo playing in during that portion of the season, like what does that look like, right? Um, because we've only seen it in small sample sizes. So you do wonder if he can get to another level. And if he stays healthy, maybe he does. And then what does that do for Trey Lance? So that's, right. and, that's another and, part of the conversation too. And to that point, I mean, there was an expectation last year that, hey, there's another, like you said, there's another level he can get to. He, he rolls, he goes week one uh, where Dante Pettis and Trent Taylor are the, are the top two receivers because Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk were out. George Kittle gets hurt in the first quarter. And that's, I mean, the final, the final third down play through to, or fourth down play through to Trent Taylor. Like that's, that's rough. He gets hurt early in week two. And then I think by the time he came back, his ankle was not good enough to be a super effective quarterback. So this, this notion that like, okay, well he just stinks. That's, that's what it is. I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Maybe he doesn't get to, cause I was on this tip that like, Hey, maybe he gets to 4,500 yards and 35 touchdowns. Like maybe he gets into that range. All right. So he doesn't get there necessarily, but I do think there's a step he can go above 2019. And if he does that, they're going to be really good. But yeah. what'll be interesting is like you said, if they get into week, let's say nine, they'll have played eight games through week nine. And let's say they're four and four and Garoppolo's looked like he's gone laterally at best. I, I think that's where you start really getting into, all right, halfway through the season, 500 mark, um, there's, there's a real chance that, you know, with better quarterback play, the 49ers can be a playoff team. That's when I think you start to get, get to the point that they think about starting Lance. Yeah. And the, but if Garoppolo is good, I, I don't, I don't think they're going to start him just to do it. Right. And you have to keep the trade deadline in mind, right? The trade deadline yeah. is going to, is generally, I don't know when it is off the top of my head now, but, um, it's usually right after week eight. So right after Halloween, there's that game at Chicago, October 31st on Halloween. You wonder like, all right, if at some point, maybe during the bye week, maybe earlier, Trey Lance unseats Jimmy Garoppolo, do the 49ers look to unload Garoppolo to a team that might you know, be dealing with a quarterback injury or whatever? Mm -hmm. Like that's just another variable yeah. you have to keep in mind um, because there is a lot of money involved that could potentially go to Nick Bosa uh, in theory, right? So, like, the earlier you pay Nick Bosa, the cheaper he's probably going to be. Yeah, just, you know that's that's just sort of a rule. Like, the earlier you pay somebody, the the cheaper they're going to be in the mm -hmm. NFL. So, like, you know, maybe the 49ers decide to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo oh, sooner so they can roll over that space yeah. and and use that um, on a contract like for for Nick Bosa. And then you know we know the 49ers ownership is committed to paying Garoppolo at least through 2021, I would be shocked, like fall out of my chair, shocked if Jimmy Garoppolo is still with the 49ers on his current contract in 2022. The only way that happens, we've talked about it, is if they like win the Super Bowl and he's the MVP of the league. Yeah, like if, <laughs> if Jimmy, if they win the Super Bowl because of Jimmy Garoppolo, not sort of in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo, I absolutely think that's the case. The 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 one other thing with this, and then we can, and then we can move on, is we're talking about this in the in the sense of, Hey, the, the 49ers are going to have full autonomy of when Trey Lance starts. Jimmy Garoppolo's health is still a question mark. Absolutely. And his availability is going to matter. Absolutely. And I can't imagine that they're going to Jordan love Trey Lance and make him the QB three and Nate Sudfeld is the guy should Garoppolo go down. So they may have a plan of saying, Hey, he's not going to start at all this year. We're going to put him in here and there. If Garoppolo has a high ankle sprain in week two again, he's he's going to get thrown to the fire. It would be a massive, massive failure if Trey Lance does not open the season as the as the backup Colossal. quarterback. Yes, it suited up in pads. Yes, right. It, it would. That. Yes, and that's, that's more than likely going to happen. Based and I on think what we know about Trey Lance. I think he's going to, at worst, be the backup. Right, not and I think too. I think too if he. That's the other we we framed this question around when does he start and how many starts does he get? But at what point in camp do you watch him and go, okay, that he's he's ready to play if Garoppolo is unavailable in week two? Right. 
because uh, I don't anticipate that happening early, but you know, by the first preseason game, is it like, all right, this guy can play. Let's move on to our, do you want to go offense, defense, and alternate? Or you want to, you want to go all three? I mean, we're producing let's this do, on the fly. What let's do, do three on offense, take a break, and then three on defense. All right. I love that. Okay. Uh, the second question we have down here is who leads the team in rushing? And this might be something that we don't know until just kind of the dust settles on the season because they have so many viable players at that position. Yeah. I mean, they've had four different leaders in, in rushing since Kyle Shanahan took over, right? Yeah. But not Carlos Hyde in 2017, not, Matt Breed in 2018, Raheem Mostert in 2019, and last year was Jeff Wilson Jr. Yeah. But so not is it gonna necessarily, be somebody new or is it gonna be Raheem Mostert, basically? If I'm all right, let's put it this way. If you're betting, let's say even odds, it's it's Mostert or Trey Sermon. Um, and then let's put plus five hundred on other. <laughs> Who are you betting on? You're probably getting the best odds, I would say, with Sermon. Like, okay. I think if if you're betting, I think it's Sermon. I think Mostert's probably the favorite. But I do wonder, just given the knee issues Raheem Mostert's had, he, he missed part of OTAs with a knee issue. He's mm-hmm. um, he's had knee issues in the past. He had, high, uh, I believe it was high ankle sprain last year. Broke his forearm in 2018. Yeah. That, so I think it's clear that in drafting Trey Sermon, the 49ers view Raheem Mostert as somebody who you probably want to get, like, 10 to 13 carries a game not like 15 to 20 and so i think getting a a physical sort of more between the tackles guy like trey sermon indicates all right this is probably going to be a backfield by committee Mm -hmm. and depending on who the hot hand is that's who's going to get the touches um on a week-to-week basis and so i think trey sermon definitely has a chance to lead the 49ers in rushing but clearly raheem mostert is the team's biggest big play threat yeah. Like he can score from anywhere on the field. And we know, you know, Kyle Shanahan talks about it w- with the running game. Like he views some running plays as like a deep shot downfield, right? Like right. he wants, he'll run an outside zone play thinking this is going to be an 80 yard touchdown. Like that's how right. He, that's how he looks at some of those plays. So, you know, and that's why some of those long plays happen for Raheem Mostert. But all things being equal, I think the best way to approach it from the running back's perspective is to say, you know, this is probably going to be a 50 50 split and we'll just ride the hot hand depending on matchups and, and whatever's happening. But I think there's, if you were to bet, I think Trey Sermon would be a good bet. I think if they, so let's say it's 30 carries a game. You go 12 each for Sermon and, and Mostert and then five or six for somebody else. Um, Mitchell or Wayne Gallman or yeah, or the, quarterback if, if yeah if it's Lance is playing. yeah but to that point if they split carries evenly let's say they each have 180 carries i would bet on Mostert to have more yards yeah if that if that makes sense and i think that's probably and ultimately like who leads the team in rushing matters less than can they get 15 games out of raheem Mostert? Can Trey Sermon stay healthy for 17 games? Because last year they had six different running backs notch carries for them, including uh, Austin. Walter. Walter. I was going to say Walker, (laughs) but I knew that was wrong. And Jamichael Hasty got some. Jamichael Hasty, yeah. Um, It just, they having a consistent backfield by committee where you're splitting carries because everybody's healthy and everybody does something a little different and gives the defense a little bit different look and you're keeping guys fresh. That's so much different than, all right, well, Trey Sermon's got to get all the carries today because Jamichael Hasey's the only other healthy back. Yeah. You know, that, 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 can't, that can't fly. So the reason why I, sorry, finish your thought. It's just, I was just going to say, it's just a matter for me of can they stay healthy and is Trey Sermon going to be effective? You trade two fourth round picks to get into the third round to get a guy. He yeah. has to be good right away. Yeah, and the reason why I think this is an important question is because I think the Niners are going to be one of the top five rushing teams in the league, just in terms of volume, right? Like, I think whether it's Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo, it's going to look a lot like 2019 in the sense that they're going to be, you know, 2019, they were only behind the Ravens in in frequency of running plays, right? Um, And that was without a running quarterback. So if you insert a running quarterback in Trey Lance, you know, do they go full Lamar Jackson mode? And is that is that sort of what the offense looks like? Is it a form of that? 
um, mm -hmm. which means, you know, the running back position is going to be really important despite the fact that running backs don't matter. <laughs> you did it. Um, Elijah Mitchell is honestly of all the running backs. I don't think he's going to lead the team in rushing, but he's the player going into camp at the running back position that I'm most interested to watch. Yeah. He, because he, there's, there are Matt Breida vibes for sure. Yeah, but he's bigger. And I think he averaged like four yards after contact or something yeah. insane last year. Yeah. So he's, he's big, he's fast. I'm really interested to see if he can play that Raheem Mostert role with maybe a little bit more, even more physicality. No. Um, maybe he, I mean, maybe he's a guy that just can't cut it in the NFL and he's Joe Williams, but, uh, I, I'm intrigued by him to yeah. be sure. I think that leads into our next question pretty well. Yeah. Um, because I think that's, this is a conversation, a joint conversation you can have here. And that's, you know, does the, does the conversation about the third ride wide receiver and maybe the lack of a, uh, a viable option or I guess an experience or proven option at the number three receiver, does that matter? Right. Like, and mm -hmm. does it matter because, you know, like you're going to be utilizing a lot of three receiver sets and you need that player to be productive now that Kendrick Bourne's with the Patriots or are the 49ers just going to be a team that utilizes a ton of two receiver sets plays with two tight ends a lot, utilizes Kyle use a lot, the fullback. And then are they just running the ball and the third receiver doesn't really matter. Yeah. Right. So I think it's I, I think it's fascinating uh, because I don't know which way it's going to go. And I think I, I sort of think given that, you know, I think it was the first time the 49ers have not drafted a receiver since 2002. Just organizationally, which is crazy. Um, but just the the fact they didn't really make adding a third receiver a priority and they're just running it back with guys like Travis Benjamin and Jalen Hurd and Richie James and Jawan Jennings and Mohamed Sanu and Trent Sherfield, like, does, does that mean that they're content with just having two guys that you feel comfortable with and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, um, because you're just not going to utilize three receivers. And the other side of that is, are you comfortable enough with Debo Samuel's durability question marks that, you felt that you didn't have to add another guy. That's the, are they planning to just add somebody mid season like they did in 2019 with Emmanuel Sanders? That's the big question for me is we mentioned week one last year where it was Dante Pettis and, and Trent Taylor. And that was kind of a disaster for the 49ers. It makes them a lot more one dimensional, which is not what Kyle Shanahan wants to be. Right. So that's the, that's the big thing. I don't, the third receiver thing is less for me. Like, Hey, what are they going to do in three wide receiver sets? Because ultimately if you have two good receivers and George Kittle, that third receiver is, you know, kind of whatever. Right. But if Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk are unavailable and the 49ers go into a game where the defense just doesn't have to worry about the second receiver it becomes a lot harder to move, to move the football. So that, yeah, that's a difference between that can be a difference between winning and losing a game. Yeah, ab absolutely. And I think that's why I think that's the conversation for me about the third receiver. It's like, what does the depth look like? Because you're, you're right. You, I, I, I at first was viewing it through the prism of like, what are they doing? Three receiver sets. But I think you hit the nail on the head. I don't think they're going to run a ton of them, but that, that depth is going to be really important. So having a player who separates himself is like, Oh, okay. That's an NFL receiver is going to be a bigger deal than like, Hey, can that guy catch 75 passes? Yeah. And it might be that this is, you know, we're all just underestimating the the impact of Jalen Hurd, right? Like maybe yeah. Jalen Hurd's healthy and maybe he's healthy enough to contribute in a way that the 49ers thought he would when they drafted him in the third round in 2019. Like mm -hmm. we saw it in the preseason game. He's a big physical dude. We saw him, on the practice field, just maul as a blocker. Yep. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's mentioned that, you know, maybe this is a guy who could play tight end. I, I tend to think given his injuries now that that idea is maybe out the window Yeah. because adding weight and playing with more physicality probably isn't something <laughs> he should be doing at this point. Yeah, probably not. But, but if Jalen Hurd is healthy, then that goes a long way to, to answering this question, right? Because mm -hmm. With Jalen Hurd, he's sort of that positionless guy who played running back at times in, in college, or at least he did before 
uh, when he was at Tennessee before transferring to Baylor, like mm-hmm. maybe you get him carry somehow. Um, you feel pretty good about him as a blocker. Like if he's a big quote unquote, big slot receiver, like, do you like him in that role? Like maybe that's a real possibility. Can you utilize him in the middle of the field in a way that gets George Kittle uh, more space to operate? So, you know, there, there are a lot of dimensions to Jalen Hurd's game on paper that would answer the question of, you know, the, the quandary about the third receiver, Mm -hmm. but it's just an availability thing. You know, can you count on him to be healthy? And, and you can't because he's missed his first two seasons because injury. So that's, he could, he could answer the question more than anybody else currently on the roster. Um, in my opinion, I don't think Muhammad Sanu or Richie James or Juwan Jennings, um, is a guy that, that, is going to emerge at least this year. Maybe Travis Benjamin does, but who knows? Um, I and don't I think, think those are all, I think those are all guys that if they're lower on your depth chart and it's like, Hey, this guy's got to play a few snaps because somebody's hurt yeah. in a game. You're fine with it. But if you're going into a game with Richie James as your number two, right. I, I get what he did against the Packers last year, but the Niners also got blown out in that game. Yeah. And so my point here is, is that Jalen Hurd represents the best answer to the question Mm -hmm. just in terms of ability and talent, but it's impossible to say, you know, Jalen Hurd is the answer to this question right? because you just can't rely on him from a health perspective because he's never been healthy before, at least in the league. Right. So if you wave a magic health wand over the 49ers, then Jalen Hurd is very clearly the front runner for that third receiver spot. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned the right guard competition. Yeah. It's just, uh, I don't know how much there is to say, because I think it's, it's Aaron banks and Daniel Brunskill. And, and I think that's the quote unquote competition. And we talked about it after the draft. Mayoka mentioned it the other day. If Aaron banks isn't starting at right guard, the 49ers have a pretty significant issue. Yeah. That's because that means they used a second round pick on a guy who can't play in the NFL. Um, that that's just something I I'm one of those things I'm going to follow. Like when, you know, X players right. running with the first team, how early is he running with the first team? And then how's he, how's he doing in that, in that transition? So yeah, it might I just be wanted something. to, wanted to mention that as, as we talked about the offense. Yeah. I, I think with banks, it might be something where Brunskill starts out camp as the starter at right guard, maybe starts the first preseason game at right guard banks gets a bunch of reps in the preseason yeah, and then ends up ends up starting, you know, week one. I think it, it might be a few weeks before Banks is working with the starters throughout August, but I think I think it's more than likely that'll come by the end of August at the latest. I need that first unofficial depth chart ASAP. <laughs> yeah, we have to see. There's uh, the 49ers have a new um, a new PR PR head president of, of communications, Corey Rush. So it'll be interesting to see how, how all the, the depth chart stuff works out. I, I'd imagine the process will be similar, but yeah. I mean, the thing is when that release comes out, you just got to fire off the screenshot of the, uh, of the depth chart. Oh, I can't wait to write a whole post about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keep I mean, in mind, this is unofficial, but yeah, it's worth this noting. Was, this was created <laughs> by the communication staff, but you know, just keep in mind. <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's hit a quick break and then jump to the other side of the ball. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I was like on a podcast when the host says, and we're back. Like, yeah, we know. <laughs> uh, all right, we're back. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about the defense. The the big question for the defense starts actually on the coaching staff. Robert Sala out. He's now the head coach of the Jets. If you've been living under a rock, um, D'Amico Ryan's in his fifth year as an NFL coach, he was playing in 2015. Started with the 49ers in 2017, and now he is their defensive coordinator. I want to tell you based on what I have heard him say on Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. A Zoom call, I guess. I think the defense is going to look not discernibly different right. from the way it looked under Sala. But I think he talks about like being fast and downhill and aggressive, and it's going to all start up front. I think we see more blitzing than yes. we Maybe. saw under Sala, at least, at least when they're healthy. Like We saw a lot of blitzing last year, but it was out of necessity to try and get any pressure on the quarterback. But yeah. Uh, I, I think we see more a more aggressive uh, blitzing style. And and Fred Warner alluded to that idea a little bit today in his Zoom call, saying that you know a real emphasis for him this offseason is to be a better blitzer and offer more as a pass rusher. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm expecting the 49ers to be more attacking when it comes to blitzing and maybe more creative in ways they weren't necessarily with Robert Sala, who was sort of you know, a a descendant from the Pete Carroll coaching tree where it's Mm -hmm. like have a bunch of really good players play a relatively uh, simplified scheme and just let your really good players be really good players. (laughs) And if you can bother the quarterback enough, then that's going to be enough to to be good. Like that's, that's going to be enough to to have an elite defense. And so, you know, I, I think the talent level defensively is a little bit different now than it was in 2019. Um, for a multitude of reasons, your, your secondary faces more question marks, which we'll talk about. Um, You don't, you, you don't know necessarily what you're getting from D Ford. If anything, you don't know what you're going to get from Samson. We can talk about that in a second. Um, But in terms of D'Amico Ryan's what's, you know, everybody you talk to with him believes that he's going to be a head coach at some point. Right. And he seems like a, just an A plus individual, like a, like a human that everybody likes Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's got the X's and O's chops, uh, to get there, right? Like he, he can be beloved and highly thought of and super motivational guy, but he's never called an NFL defense, you know, Mm -hmm. in, in a, in this capacity. Yeah. Um, so we just don't know. And maybe he's phenomenal from an X's and O's perspective. We just don't know that yet. Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan seems very confident that that D'Amico Ryan's will be good in that area. So, you know, Kyle Shanahan being as good as he is from an X's and O's perspective, I, w- I would imagine that, you know, that sort of goes that holds a lot of weight for me, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it's just a question because he's never done it before. And so what's it going to look like? How good is Robert? Uh, how good is D'Amico Ryan's going to be replacing Robert Sala? And is he going to take lumps like Robert Sala took some lumps? In 2018, mm-hmm. everybody's calling for Robert Sala to get fired. 
yeah. um, at certain points in the season. And then he's hailed as the, the best defensive coordinator in the league a year later. Right. Um, does D'Amico Ryans go through a similar, a similar roller coaster type path? And does that mean that the 49ers defense struggles at all in, in 2021? And do, do they struggle to the point where it costs them a playoff game or whatever? Like Man. it's, so it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm high on D'Amico Ryans just in terms of um, what he could be. But again, we still have to see it with him. And so that's, that's always a question facing a first time coordinator. Um, he does have some talent, but it's just going to be a different looking defense. And to your point, I think they're going to blitz a lot more and, and I think they will be a little bit more creative, but that also comes with more risk and leaving more open parts of the field where you could potentially be exposed if you are blitzing. So that'll be fascinating to see how all that works. Yeah. And I think too, it's going to rely a lot on some of the things you just talked about. And I think it dovetails nicely into our second question is we talked about question marks on offense, particularly at the third wide receiver spot, but on the defensive side, they're going to lean on a lot of players who you know, <laughs> they're unproven. Yeah. Like guys, I'm not betting on being pro bowl caliber, like pay that guy type of players right. you have written down here. Uh, Javon Kinlock going into year two, year one. In fact, let's just kind of roll through the, the, the players you have written down starting with. Well, yeah. Kinlock. So the second question is, can, can the unproven guys step up enough? Right. right. Yeah. And it starts for me with Kinlaw who in year one, I think you saw some flashes of like, wow, that is a big, strong, athletic dude. His pick six against the Rams like shouldn't happen by a player at his position at his size. It's an unbelievable play. Yeah, you could find Brian Baldinger did some Javon Kinlaw breakdowns on Twitter where yes. it's like Kinlaw looks like he has a potential to be an absolute stud. Right. But, but sometimes those plays are few and few and further between than you would ideally like. But that's there part were, of being a rookie. There were a lot of times where it was like, oh, he's just not moving anybody. Right. He would just come off the ball and stop. So can can he be I don't think he's going to be as good as DeForest Buckner because that's just a crazy high bar to put on a player. Yeah. But can he be effective? enough and i actually think he can i think there's a chance that this year we watch javon kinlon it's like oh wow he got significantly better and he's impacting games way more often than he did in year one right and on that defensive line if he can make one or two plays a game where it's like oh damn like he blows a play up in the backfield or you know collapses a pocket or something like that um yeah, like, can he be, to me, like, what separates DeForest Buckner from a lot of other defensive tackles is just the durability stuff. The fact that Buckner yeah. will always be among the league leaders and snaps played at that position. Mm -hmm. I'm not expecting Kinlaw to be that guy. But what Kinlaw could be, which would be super helpful, would be, like, Fletcher Cox or Akeem Hicks or, like, a guy yeah. like that who's, like, a Pro Bowl caliber player who's dominant at times, who can really impact impact yeah. your defense in a positive way. Um, but you're not going to get that DeForest Buckner durability and the guy who's always available, never misses games, and is always among your le team leaders in snap counts. Yeah. So can it's he, just different. Can he have a couple of games this year where he just kind of takes over? Right. Right. That, 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 I think, because that's what... Buckner did there'd be you know a couple games every year where it was like man DeForest Buckner was the best player on the field can Javon Kinlaw do that right and part of that responsibility is like all right can he be good enough to allow other defensive linemen to get after the passer mm -hmm. right can he eat yeah. up double teams can he work two-man games with Nick Bosa to spring Bosa free to get after the passer? Same with Ebu Cam. Mm -hmm. Can he create enough pressure to where Eric Armstead can clean up sacks in the way that Armstead did in 2019? Like, I think, you know, without going back through each sack just off the top of my head, I think Armstead, a lot of his sacks were of the cleanup variety, right? Where, like, yeah. there was pressure coming elsewhere, and then the quarterback stepped into Armstead, right? So can Kinlaw provide that type of dynamic to the defensive line? And it might not manifest itself in like 
12 sacks a season, but if he offers six and helps cause, you know, four others, then that's, that's, that could potentially be what you need from him um, in order for your defense to be, you know, championship caliber. Right. So Kinlaw is definitely one of those guys that is a wild card. Who's a little bit unproven, um, but the 49ers need to produce if the defense is going to be where they need it to be to contend for a Super Bowl. And you mentioned in there, Ebukam, who is a question mark for a different reason. He's played four seasons in the NFL, but in a completely different role than the one he's going to be in in San Francisco. Right. And so I think I think he's pretty reliably like, okay, that's a four or five sack guy. But the 49ers signed him to be a seven or eight sack guy. Yeah. Can he get enough pressure to be? I don't think he's going to play, you know, 90% of the snaps or anything insane like that. But when he's rushing off the edge, can he be enough that it takes the attention away from Nick Bosa and allows him to continue to be effective where defenses can't just slide two or three guys to him? Yeah. In, yeah, in, in a similar way to the, the D Ford was when he was healthy in 2019. Yeah. Ebu cams another guy. Like if, if the 49ers defense has a great season, I think there's a really good chance that includes a great season from Samson Ebu cam. Yeah. And one that maybe makes him look like one of the more underrated free agent signings of the off season. Right. Yeah. Um, so that'll be fascinating. If he's just a guy who's a rotational pass rusher who offers you three or four sacks and you're probably a little bit disappointed because you're like, all right, you need to need somebody. <laughs> yeah. You need somebody really good opposite Nick Bosa. Like that's, I think hey. it's, it's very apparent in the league. Now you'd need two edge guys. Yeah. And if you just have one, you know, that guy can be nice, but the difference between being an elite defense and being yep. a, a middling defense could be whether or not you have a second edge yep. pass rusher. So maybe Ebukam or D Ford is that guy, but the 49ers need at least one of those two to, to be that guy. And I think too, with, with Ebukam, we're going to find that out really quick in camp. Yeah. I think in the That's first cool. couple of days, it's going to be like, wow, that guy really flashes or... Oh, he's he's just a guy. Yeah, because we'll get to see him go against Trent Williams. Yeah, and so and we'll have I a mean, very good idea of where he stands. If he's not beating Trent Williams consistently, you're not going to really blame him. But you know, if he stands out, I think the Niners are in a really good position. But like I said, if it's like, yeah, hey, can't tell when it's Ebukam or Arden Key, right? That's a that's a that could wind up being a really big problem. And then the secondary, like everybody except Jimmy Ward. Like yeah. you're slotting Jimmy Warden as a starter at free safety. You know what you're getting with him, but again, his health is even a question mark. Yeah. Who's starting at strong safety? It's Jaquaski Tart probably for now. Maybe Tony um, Jefferson. Maybe maybe Tony Jefferson. Uh, Jason Verrett has a huge injury question mark still, despite playing more snaps than he's ever played in his in his career last year. Mm-hmm. Is Emmanuel Mosley a starting caliber like guy you can rely on? Ambry Thomas, third round pick. I meant yeah. I failed to mention K1 Williams. He's if K1's a good slot corner. Yeah. But outside of that, man, it's but even K1 Williams missed half the season last year. Yeah. Yeah. So you like Jeez, that's yeah. right. Is Emmanuel Mosley starter? We don't know. Is uh Jason Brett gonna stay healthy? We don't know. Is K1 Williams gonna stay healthy? We don't know. Can Diamador Lenore Ambry Thomas contribute in a way that helps the defense? We don't know. You see you see why, like you watch you watch some of Ambry Thomas's tape and talk to people. You see why the 49ers liked him and yes. you see why he had the potential to be maybe a second round pick had he played last year, but he also opted out. Right. So that's, yeah. a, that's another question mark. Diamador Lenore, oddly enough, as a fifth round pick is sort of like of all the question marks in that group is kind of the guy I feel the most confident about because he played so many games at Oregon, right? Like yeah. I think he started all four years. He yeah. played a ton of football He's versatile and seeing him in OTAs, he just wasn't afraid, right? Like he looked like the type of guy that belonged. And now that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to come in and contribute right away. But, you know, he's, it's just, it's, I guess the point is, it's just very odd to me that a rookie fifth round pick is a guy that I feel most confident in terms of what they're going to get from him. Yeah which is just speaks to sort of all the question marks in the secondary, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, no, it does. Because that's a rookie fifth round pick that you're looking at and going like, yeah, if he has to play, that's probably fine. <laughs> when, yeah. when usually it's like, at yeah, least I don't you, know. I don't know I'm if not even do saying they'll be fine, people. but just like you sort of know, like you're, you're, you're sort of optimistic in terms of what you're going to get from him. Or you know sure. that like he's not necessarily going to be a deer in the headlights. I noticed you failed to mention Ken Webster. Ken Webster, special teams. Our guy. <laughs> Still is with three iron. Um, no, I, 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 there's a potential that we're sitting here in week, and we did this in 2019. Remember in 2019, it was like, man, I don't know. Yeah, Richard Sherman, he's getting old and he's hurt, and uh, Tartan Ward can't stay healthy. And, and who starts? We had the same questions, and they wound up being really good. So yeah. there's a potential that we're sitting here in week 16 going, wow, what a, what a secondary. These guys are amazing. Yeah. But there's also the chance, too, that we're sitting here in week nine going, all right, well, Jason Verrett's unavailable. Emmanuel Mosley has been pretty eh. Yeah. Ambry Thomas looks like he needs, you know, some time to develop. And and San Francisco is is dealing with some significant issues in the back end. And there are a lot. You remember in 2019, they missed Richard Sherman for one game during the regular season. And that was the mm-hmm. game that Julio Jones went off yes. and the Falcons won that game. They came and yeah. stole it because Julio had a big game in large part because Richard Sherman wasn't there. There are a lot of good receivers in the NFC West right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, I would imagine Emmanuel Mosley is going to get targeted a, a bunch when mm-hmm. they play the Cardinals and the Seahawks and the Rams. Yep. Right. Absolutely. So like you, you need those guys to play well. Um, because it's going to be really hard to win the division if your secondary is in shambles, just given, you know, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, um, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Tyler Lockett, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Like there's there's elite receivers all over this division. And so mm-hmm. you need your secondary to stand if, up. If, if, if DeAndre Hopkins plays, <laughs> if he plays, he says he's got nine years left, so. I think that's a strong indication that he's going to play. All right, let's talk about Nick Bosa. Let's wrap this up. Yeah. Coming off a knee injury, all signs point to, all online videos point to him being fully healthy, ready to go. It sounds like the Niners are optimistic he'll get a training, a full training camp in. I doubt he plays a lot in the preseason. I, I don't think he'll I'm, play at all in the preseason. Yeah, I don't I don't think they'll want to, want to risk that at all. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets like a day off a week during camp. He didn't play in the preseason in 2019. If yeah, right. Certain. He was hurt. Yeah. Um, high ankle, I think, early in early in camp. It was an ankle quad. sprain. I don't know if it was a high ankle sprain or just a normal. Either way. Sprain. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me if he plays either very little or, or not at all in the preseason. Um, I'm less like I get the concern about Bosa because it is an ACL that is a major knee injury. It's the second one he's had, but I I'm that's, that's I'm less concerned with, Oh man, he doesn't look the same coming off the knee injury than I am of him suffering another injury or a different yeah. injury. Yeah. If he's if out there, sense. if he's out there, I think he'll play well. I, I, I think that's, too. that's yeah. a good point. If, if he's out there, he'll play well but you are worried in the back of your mind about him getting hurt again. Yeah. I think that's fair because, you know, partially torn ACL in, in high school. He obviously missed time his last year at Ohio state um, with the core muscle injury, you know, so he's been in the league for two years. He's been excellent in one of them, <laughs> you know, so it's uh, it, it's, it's tough because I think he's probably the most important player on defense. Like you can argue yeah, about, about, mm the value between him and Fred Warner, but like you can have Fred Warner and your defense can like still finish 15th. If you have Nick Bosa, I think he's, he's a differentiating factor in terms of like, do you have an elite defense or just an average defense? We talk, we like he's that transformative. Yeah. If Fred Warner goes down, it's like, man, that stinks. Like they're going to have to change some things. When Nick Bosa went down last year, we talked amongst ourselves and went, man, what's the ceiling now? Like, yeah. can they get to eight and eight? <laughs> it was that type of, it was that type yeah. of impact. Yeah. He's, and so I think, you know, you have, you have the injury concerns, but also like a healthy Nick Bosa has defensive player of the year potential, right? 
So if you get a defensive player of the year type season from Nick Bosa, there's a very good chance that your defense is elite. And if that's all, if that's all happening, then, you know, you're, you're in a good spot defensively. So, and we'll, we'll get out of here soon after, after I, I just want to make one more point, please. Now that Fred Warner's paid Nick Bosa is the next guy in line. Yep. When that happens is really unknown. Um, because he's eligible for a new contract after the coming season. He might say, if he has a defensive player of the year type season, he might say, I'm not stepping foot on the practice field until I get a new deal. Yeah. Um, what's that situation look like? Does it look like George Kittle and Fred Warner in the sense that you pay the guy before, um, before training camp and it's all smooth and everything's fine? Or do the 49ers say, hey, man, you're a first-round pick. We have you under contract for your fourth season. And we have you for your fifth year option. Like we're, we're going to be, we're going to hold our ground here when it comes to this negotiation, because you know, what if Jimmy Garoppolo plays well, then you probably can't afford to give yeah. Nick Bosa $25 million a year. If you decide to keep Jimmy Garoppolo, which I think is unlikely, but it's still, you know, not something we can rule out entirely. So anyway, we'll talk about this a lot um, because yep. there's plenty of time for it to unfold. But now that Fred Warner's got his contract, Nick Bosa is the next guy to keep an eye on. Yep. And so this season for him could go a long way toward defining his financial future in terms of when he gets paid. Right. If he has, yeah. if he has a great season, it wouldn't surprise me at all. If he, if he holds out or tries or tells the 49ers, like I want a new contract that wouldn't surprise me at all, particularly given his health stuff. Um, if he has a middling season, then you're like, man, you know, if he gets hurt again, like do, yeah. do the 49ers need to make a significant investment in that position with somebody else? And does that mean that you're kicking the can down the road in terms of Nick Bosa getting paid? So there's all these different, uh, all these, all these different ways this thing could turn out, but it's very clear that this is Nick Bosa's most important season from that perspective. And so it's just a big season for him, both in terms of how valuable he is for the 49ers defense and what his financial future is going to look like. My take is that as long as he's healthy, he's not going to have a middling season. Yeah, he's either going to be elite or unavailable. I I think he's yeah, I, like I agree I, so. If he's playing even fifteen or sixteen games, I think you're looking at a guy with with you know ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen sacks and and impacting games regularly. Yeah, and the Niners' defense is you know even with D'Amico Ryan's at the helm now, they're still built front to back. It's all starts with the pass rush. And if if Bosa is healthy and he's a defensive player of the year candidate, he's he's gonna get he's gonna get paid. And if he is that type of player, your secondary is probably gonna look a lot better. Yes. That's that's a key thing too. Yeah. When you're set when you're unsure about your secondary and how talented it is, if you have a pass rush that can cover up a lot of problems you have in your secondary. So yeah. That's that's, that's another good. reason Ebucom needs to be good. Yeah. And Javon Kinlaw and Eric and Armstead. Javon Boy. Um, should we get out of here? Let's Do we have any here. any yeah. more Cooperage stuff we want to plug? I'm still super excited if you're wondering. I'm amped. It, Chris has tweeted out a photo of the can. If you haven't seen it, at Chris Biederman. Uh, go there. The can at Kyle A. Madsen retweeted it. It's unbelievable. It's, it's honestly like their can art is always amazing. Yeah. And I had no doubt that they were going to make something sick. But even... I had a high expectation and this is just like, are you kidding? I promise you, if you're at a tailgate outside of Levi's and you pull out that gold candlestick chronicles oh. beer, it's like half gold. It's got a, a drawing of candlestick on it. That just looks sick. And then it's got uh football laces on the back of it. Like if yeah. you pull that out at the tailgate, yeah, you're going to be the envy of everybody. So my goal is to buy a bunch of it and just walk it around to different tailgates. Yeah. And, and the beer around. will be available next week. Yeah, potentially. Um, I'm going up to Cooperage this weekend to mm -hmm. uh, to hammer out details and check in on the beer and take pictures of the batch. Um, and yeah, August 13th, be there. Cooperage Brewing Company. Oh yeah, live panel. Um, it's all for a good cause. I have a, a fundraiser up on my Instagram right now at Chris Biederman. Um, we've surpassed it and like we surpassed the goal and way less than 24 hours so that's super awesome shout out to everybody who contributed yeah um anyway i'll stop plugging it super excited about it though still and uh and yeah we're gonna we're gonna have a great time all right
Anything else? Next time, uh, next time we talk, the 49ers will have reported for camp. Yep. We'll have some sound and some guys talking. And hopefully um, we'll start getting some answers to these questions that, uh, that we asked today. So thanks everybody for listening. Super excited to get back into the swing of the off season. Well, not the off season, but training camp in the preseason. Keep following along with us. Subscribe, rate, review if you haven't. And we will see you all on August 13th. But we'll hear you, see you on the podcast next week. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com